Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's Sermon Podcast. As we approach God's Word, let's take a prayerful breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. Listen to God's Word this day. Today's scripture is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 through 4 and 9 through 13. Let us listen to God's Word. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In July and August, Catherine Taylor and I will be preaching a series on the Lord's Prayer. As you'll discover, if you do not already know it, The Lord's Prayer is found in two places in the Gospel, Matthew and Luke, the one we just read or heard. Neither version is identical to each other, and neither version is identical to the prayer we actually pray. But we'll talk about that over the next few weeks about those differences and explain them. And also the big question, debts, trespasses, sins. Today I want to add one verse, though, to that which was read from Luke. 11, it comes from Matthew's Gospel, verse 9. Pray then this way, Jesus says, our Father in heaven. Let us pray. O Lord, speak to us now. Speak by your grace through these human words. Speak by your grace to these human ears. Speak by your grace to these human hearts so that we might better understand and and more importantly, better live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before we get to the prayer itself, look again or listen again to what prompts Jesus to give this prayer, to share it with the disciples. It's a request from the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. The disciples certainly sensed that prayer was basic and fundamental in Jesus Christ's life. They observed how he went away early in the morning to pray, how he spent whole nights in prayer, how he turned to prayer whenever power or wisdom was needed. They recognized that Jesus prayed as if in a conversation with another living being. They recognized prayer as the secret behind Jesus' marvelous teaching, behind his ready obedience to the will of God. And so they ask of him, Lord, teach us 
to pray. Jesus' response is striking. He does not give a comprehensive lecture on the methods or the set of rules or even give them a schedule for when and how to do it. No, he gives them a prayer, a deceptively simple prayer, a prayer a few words but with so much wisdom and theology packed into it that we could have a much longer series than two months on the Lord's Prayer. And then Jesus, being the master teacher he is, amplifies what he said to them with some striking analogies and paradoxes or or parables. So let's begin this Sunday with the beginning of his teaching, the beginning of the prayer, our Father who art or who lives in heaven. That's how the King James Version translated the prayer, and it's the version that most English-speaking Christians still use. Hour. It's just this little simple possessive pronoun that begins a prayer, and we're likely just to skip quickly over it. But by itself, it conveys so much meaning in theology. As many a coach has said, there is no I in the team. So Jesus is telling us that there is no me or myself in the prayer that we are to pray. While this prayer can be personal, it can never be individualistic. It's always communal. No matter whether we say this prayer on our own, at home, or at school, or at work, or together here on a Sunday morning or some other time, we always pray this prayer as a member of a community, the body of Christ. As two theologians have put it in their book on the Lord's Prayer, there may be religions that come to you through quiet walks in the woods, or sitting quietly in the library with a book, or rummaging around in your psyche. Christianity is not one of them. Jesus did not call isolated individuals to follow him. He called a group of disciples. Christianity is inherently communal, a matter of life in the body, the church. None of us came to faith on our own. The Holy Spirit was at work through those who brought us to a church sanctuary or a Sunday school or a summer camp. Those who taught us or served as a model of faith. Sometimes when our own faith is weak or our prayers seem empty, we need to lean on someone else's faith and someone else's prayers And sometimes we are the ones who need to support others by praying with and for them when their own faith is weak or their own prayers seem meaningless. Our, our Father, our daily bread, forgive us our debts, lead us not into temptation. The prayer makes us look outwards Uh, makes us look up and around at others. I need bread, but so does everyone. So I include them in my prayer. I need forgiveness, but so does everyone else, and I need to be able to forgive others, as does everyone else. I need protection, but so does everyone else. What a privilege it is indeed to pray for others who are struggling. What a gift it is in turn to know that others are praying for us, whether they even know our specific needs. 
There's at least one more profound implication of this deceptively simple little word, our. When we pray our, we're letting go of every human category we use to divide or categorize or distinguish and stratify human beings, male and female, rich or poor, gay or straight, young or old, native-born or immigrant, citizen or undocumented, liberal or conservative, we're all wrapped up in that little word, our. We're all equal before God. And Jesus wants our prayers to cover all before God. Lest you think that this little word is of little consequence, consider this. In the fourth century, the Archbishop of Constantinople, a theologian named John Chrysostom, followed the trajectory of that little word, our, and it led him to declare that the enormous differences in his community, his society at that time, between rich and poor, between the ruling classes and the rest of the people, were incompatible with the gospel itself. That teaching was not met with open arms. He was first sent into exile and then killed. Thankfully, he would not be the last Christian to speak against the divisions of society in light of our common humanity before God. But alas, he would not be the last to suffer for saying that. So may we never skip over that word, our. Our Father, our Abba. The New Testament is written in Greek, the predominant language throughout, believe it or not, the Roman Empire. Latin was mainly just spoken in the region around Rome. But Hebrew was the language of Jesus' religion and tradition. But Aramaic, which is closely related to Hebrew, was his native tongue. And Abba is the Aramaic word for Father, the word that Jesus uses in the prayer here in Luke. It's the same word he uses in the Garden of Gethsemane in that prayer. Abba was the word that people used to speak about their parents, not only if they were children, but also adults when they spoke of their father. Jesus' use of our Father or our our Abba in this prayer has often been misunderstood by Christians through the centuries. For example, many people, because of this or other things, speak of God as predominantly male or masculine. And the implications of that concept play out in a number of ways. When it comes to the church, it has meant that women were, and still are too often, treated as second-class citizens and disqualified from serving as leaders in the church despite the testimony in the New Testament of women like Priscilla and Lydia who were leaders in the early church, and despite how Jesus treated women. And when it comes to prayer, praying to our Father has often been an obstacle for Christians whose own relationships with their fathers were problematic. The Bible is clear. God is not male. In Genesis, it says that male and female collectively were created in the image of God. Reading throughout the rest of the Bible, there's something like a hundred images or names for God. And not surprisingly, in the patriarchal society of the ancient world where men held all of the power, most of those images were more masculine. But God is also described with feminine images in the Bible, ones that we often skip over. There are several times when God speaks about the Israelites as being born from his 
her womb. And I've yet to meet a man who's done that. And in Isaiah 49 and Psalm 131, God is compared to a nursing mother. In Matthew and Luke, God is described as a mother hen gathering her chicks. The fact is, whatever human name, human image, human metaphor we use to understand God is always going to be incomplete because human language can never fully describe or contain the God who is so far beyond that. The other thing is we never move from human categories to God. We never move from a human father or mother to understand how God is. We always go in the other direction. We pay attention to what God is like as our heavenly parent, and that becomes a model for how we are to live as human parents. The more important takeaway take from praying to our Father or our Abba is that God is not just some impersonal force, or God is not a finger-wagging judge, nor is God a Amazon Prime there to respond to our latest order and promise next day delivery, nor is God merely a first responder there for our emergencies. No, the God we pray to in this prayer is a loving parent, someone we have a relationship with, someone who loves us and gives us life, protects us, and wants to provide for our needs. Because sometimes difficult experiences with our own parents can make praying our Father hard to do. One pastor and spiritual writer suggested that we use our Abba more. It's a way to remind us that we're always beginning with Jesus' prayer and Jesus' image for our God rather than our own language and our own parents. Our Abba who art or who dwells in heaven. If you're old enough, you may remember back in the early 1960s when the first Russian cosmonaut went up into space, Yuri Gagarin. He came back later in the press conference and said he went up there, he never saw God up there, acting as if that proved that this whole idea of God was more superstition, a human-created idea. His statement might have been good for Soviet propaganda at the time, but it was nothing but a silly reading of the Bible. The psalmists and the other scripture writers may not have benefited from modern science, but they were no dummies. To say God is in heaven for them did not mean that they believed that God could be found or seen if only they could fly upwards towards the stars. No, for them the idea of heaven was more sophisticated, more poetic. Heaven represented all that was not human, all that could not be seen or known. In other words, as the church historian and theologian Justo Gonzalez has written, praying to our Abba who art in heaven affirms that this one whom we dare call Father by God's grace and mercy is not only the God whose revelation comes to us on earth and in, in history, but also is the ineffable one who is far beyond human description or understanding. The God of the heavens is the inescapable one, the profound mystery that we're too small to fully comprehend. And when we consider the needs of the world, those big needs, don't we want a big God? Our Father who art in heaven, 
This phrase reminds us that in our prayers and faith, we need to hold on to two paradoxical ideas or images when it comes to God. It's not a matter of either or, it's a matter of both and when it comes to God and our prayer. God is personal and God is cosmic. God is like a human parent and yet God is unlike any human category or, or image. God is up close and personal so we can lay our personal needs before God, but God is also in heaven, which means we not only pray for ourselves and the rest of the church family, we pray for the world, the earth, that all might have bread, that there might be peace among all nations, that there might be healing of all of creation. God is in charge of it all. And yet we are more than just a drop in the ocean of God's concern. In addition to this prayer, Jesus goes on in Luke's gospel to give his disciples two parables or analogies. One is of a friend and neighbor. Imagine you have an unexpected guest and no food to share with that guest, Jesus says. A common reality in a poor and often hungry land such as first century Palestine. You go and knock on the door of your friend and neighbor late at night, and even if he's a jerk, Jesus says, or so to speak, he'll give you bread just to shut you up so he can go back to bed. Or consider if you're a parent, Jesus says, which of you, if your child asks for a fish, will give them a snake? Or if yes, he or she asks for an egg, we'll give them a scorpion. Jesus, please understand, is not saying that God is either a jerk or a negligent parent. He's saying just the opposite. If a jerk might answer our prayers just to shut us up, then think how much more God, who is not a jerk, will do. If imperfect human parents want to give their children what they need if they only knew it and or had the power to do it, think how much more God, the perfect parent, wants to do and can do. The best and most faithful of friends the strongest, wisest, and most approachable appearance, they're but a faint shadow of the God to whom we pray, our Abba. Brennan Manning tells a story of a Detroit priest who went on a two-week vacation in Ireland. He timed his visit to help his uncle celebrate his 80th birthday. On the actual day of the birthday, the two got up early and went on a hike along the shores of Lake Killarney. They stopped to watch the sunrise. Suddenly, the 80-year-old uncle turned and he went skipping down the road, just radiant with joy. His nephew said, Uncle Seamus, you look really happy. I am, lad. Want to tell me why? His uncle replied, yes. You see, my Abba is very fond of me. Jesus tells his disciples to pray to the one who is very fond of all of us. Amen. Thank you for listening to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's Sermon Podcast. We hope you'll join us for worship on Sunday morning. For more information about our congregation and our ministries, please contact the church office. Now go in peace.